0: Daily. We have a power hour for you. We're going to get right to Ken Paxton, the Attorney General of Texas. We have lots to debrief about what was and what this means for the Republican Party, not just in Texas, but for the conservative movement nationwide. Why, why would the Republicans in Texas go after a truly MAGA Republican doing awesome stuff? (laughs) What's going on there? Ken Paxton explains. Here it is. to ken paxton he is the duly elected freshly impeached and now newly acquitted attorney general of texas back on the job mr paxton how are you sir
1: hey you know it can be better it's great to be back uh it's great to have got gotten through that process which was obviously a, a process that i don't think ever has occurred in the united states where there was no process it just happened secretly no transparency didn't let the public know what was going on, and uh, hopefully there'll never be another impeachment like that in our country.
0: Well, and that's why we're glad you won, um, and thank you for taking time to talk to the Breitbart audience about what happened here. Uh, I have to admit, though, sir, as we begin, I when I first heard that you were impeached by Republicans in a red state like Texas, I thought, wow, must must be pretty bad right, for Republicans to impeach a fellow Republican like this. And it wasn't until I read more, did some more research that I found out how flimsy it all was. And then I got a nice reminder on human nature and inner party battles and the Republicans in Texas are not as united as I think the rest of the country would have hoped you are. Can you give us a quick recap on or quick insight into Texas house culture? (laughs) Like What is going on in the Texas house?
1: hey look i i was there for 10 years i know how it works uh and unfortunately it's gotten much much worse over the the more than decade i've been out of there uh, and what happens now is 150 house members in order to become the speaker which controls every aspect of the house what legislation gets on the floor who's who's what committee who's what committee chair uh to the, now the the speaker controls most of the money that goes to members And that vote has been smartly controlled by the Democrats now for over a decade. It takes 76 votes. The speaker obviously is going to vote for himself. And what the Democrats do is they block vote. There's 65 of them. They agree among themselves who they're going to pick, and they usually pick, obviously, the the Republican that will do the most for them. They walk in with those 65 votes, and whoever they pick gets elected speaker because whoever that Republican is can typically get 10 Republicans who will get very good assignments if they stick with them and that's how it's done. So the deal is usually cut. And one of the things that I believe got offered to the, to the house Democrats was Biden uh, was sick of our lawsuits. We had 48 of them going and uh, they agreed after I won my election, that this was the only way to get rid of me. They tried so many other ways and, and this is how it was done. So then these Republicans, these so-called Republicans are pressured by the speaker. And I know this to be a fact, one of the house investigating members, there's only five total he didn't even know what the investigation was for mu- until the day of he was told, and this is a guy that was carrying some of my by bills. This is a Republican that told me I was the best attorney general in the country. And he was forced to vote to impeach me without even knowing what the charges were and didn't know about the investigation until that day. And then, you know, of course, three days later, I was out of office on my own with no resources.
0: What did they hold over his head to get him to do that?
1: They told him that his career would be over, that uh, he wouldn't get, Basically, he wouldn't have financial resources. His committees would be uh, – he would be demoted from his committees, and it, basically he'd never get anything done. And then, of course, when the Speaker votes for something, it's a pretty unusual vote for the Speaker to vote for anything. There's thousands of bills, thousands of votes that come up. The Speaker rarely votes for anything unless he wants to send the message, you have to vote with me. Well, on this impeachment, the Speaker cast his vote uh right away. And as people were listening to John Smithy, who's a state rep from Texas who did a good job outlining the lack of due process, the vote, some of the Republicans were going to vote, uh, were starting to change their mind because they didn't know much about this. Remember, they only got like a couple days notice and they never got to hear any evidence. They never got to hear any testimony. There were no witnesses sworn in, nothing, nothing, no law was followed. And uh, they were turning, the, John Smithy was turning the vote uh, for, for the Republicans my way and, There were a couple of House members, Craig Goldman, uh, Morgan Meyer, that were on the floor telling people they had to vote with the Speaker or they were in trouble. and That's how this thing got done in a a, three-day period of time.
0: It's amazing that the Republicans may have the majority, but the Democrats are united, and that unity among the party makes them more powerful than even the Republicans.
1: Well, it's pathetic because we should have stronger Republican leadership than we do, but there's always a few Republicans willing to sell out the state uh, sell out their own supposedly beliefs to get power, and that's Dade Phelan. He's a guy that cares about power. He's created war in the Republican Party. That's really unfortunate. We can't afford to lose Texas. We got a guy that doesn't care about that. He cares about one thing: his power. And he he willingly sacrificed his own members. They're all in trouble now. Uh, they're all in trouble. They're going to be in trouble in primaries. Yes. Um, they've created a lot of dissension in the Republican Party. This is Completely unnecessary. We're fighting to save our country. We're fighting a terrible administration in Washington. And I'm in the middle of that fight. And they took me out of it for four months with no notice, no opportunity to defend myself, no opportunity to even know who was testifying against me, and no opportunity to know if it was true, even if I had seen it.
0: And I want to talk about the gag order, too. So, and I want to talk about Joe Biden here in a minute, too. But the human nature aspect that I referenced a second ago, when we had a, we had a first guest on to talk about your, the accusations against you. And I was like, okay, but this is weird. W- why does Dade Phelan hate Ken Paxton? So much? Like, what? what's the deal? And she said, oh, Ken Paxton said that he was, uh, that Phelan was drunk while he was residing over the house once. <laughs> and it's like, and then we played the video and you're like, oh, yeah, the guy was drunk as a skunk. And you're like, oh, that, oh, so like, that's human nature. Like, he hates you on, on like a personal level. He must, he must take you out for that reason, let alone the Biden lawsuits, which we'll get to. But it's that. Why did you say he was drunk?
1: Uh, I thought, I mean, it was, uh, it was, he was. I mean, there was no (laughs) doubt. And I know the history of the House. and I know what goes on on the House floor. And usually the speaker's not involved in drinking. A lot of other members, you know, that I've known and are still there, get drunk almost every night. It's embarrassing. But it's really embarrassing when uh, the leader of the Texas House, who is in our party, is openly flaunting and not caring about his responsibilities. And I think on on that one particular day, it it was so obvious. I think he's been so many times drunk on the the House floor. This time was just, you know, over-the-top drunk. And I just thought he needed to be called out and that the House needed to deal with their own problems. Instead, you know, they sped this thing up on me and they didn't ever look at him and they all tried to act like nothing ever happened.
0: Again, the human nature, it's so obvious there that he just wanted to to get you back. Um, so let, let's talk about the accusations quick, and then we'll get to the big picture stuff. Uh, Paxton, that's you, allegedly intervened on a federal fraud probe with this guy, Nate Paul, real estate guy, accepted bribes from him, Ken, ordered staff to research for Paul and invented fake COVID-19 gathering restrictions. To postpone Paul's foreclosure auctions, did you accept bribes from this real estate guy?
1: Uh, I got nothing from this whole thing other than a lot of legal bills. I uh, <laughs> I didn't get anything from from Nate Paul. You got
0: twenty five thousand uh, dollars.
1: Yeah, what in two thousand eighteen? I I raised over eight million dollars, and he was a point zero three percent of the total. Believe me, if, if uh, there's no way that Uh, campaign contributions if they are considered bribes then every politician in america is going to jail
0: of course yes how ridiculous that that a campaign contribution some for for some reason this one crossed over into the realm of under the table bribe (laughs) so what about this covid19 gathering restriction did you did you make that up
1: no you know we were in the middle of covid we had literally uh I don't know hundreds and hundreds of requests and issues coming up during COVID that we were having to issue under what was called the Disaster Relief Act, and those were not the normal formal opinion process. They were done very quickly. They were done with uh, on a lot of issues we had no precedent for, but we were just trying to keep some type of like you know order in the in the state. So this one was related to. Uh, cities had put restrictions on the number of people that could be to foreclosure sell to 10 people. And when I found out about that, I thought it was completely unfair to people that were having their properties taken because it limited the number of buyers that could bid on their property. So it was a a huge disadvantage for anybody being foreclosed on it and an excellent advantage for the 10 people that could actually get into the foreclosure. And I never, these are informal opinions. They are not binding. All I said was, this is not right cities shouldn't be able to limit what the number of buyers or they shouldn't, they should stop foreclosures until these, these buyers or or these sellers who are losing their homes to foreclosure. They had to be able to get fair market value for it. So that's all it was. It never did anything. It was just a, a recommendation to stop limiting the number of people, uh, at these foreclosure sales.
0: Did you postpone one of his auctions?
1: No. I didn't have any idea about his foreclosures or, and I don't think he, that I think he ended up going into bankruptcy is what I found out after the fact, but I wasn't involved in his stuff at all. I didn't know any of it. How? That was a made up deal.
0: Yep. How, another variable in this was your wife being in the, in, it's in the Senate, which is like, what a, what a, like an injury. Well,
1: one, I, you know she was amazing. She sat there every day and she'd had her vote taken away by the other senators, which I, I don't know how that has ever happened. I don't think it's ever happened in the history of the country where your elected senator is told that they can't vote on something. I don't think it's constitutional, and if there had been other people uh, that should have been recused, it should have been some of the Democratic senators that said I was guilty before the, the the any evidence had been presented, and they were not recused. We asked for them to be recused, and they were not. So, um, anyway, I, I have tremendous respect and love for her. She sat there every single day, even though hour after hour, even though she was not allowed to cast a, cast a vote. Uh,
0: I'm reading here from the Chicago Tribune that uh, all you wanted to do was to continue with your adulterous affair, uh, and not, and you want to do anything to hide it from the people and from your wife.
1: Look it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, all I wanted to do in that whole situation was find out if the FBI and the Department of Justice were, were had violated state and federal law, which we were never able to finish that investigation. That's that's something that was extremely important to me because I felt like people, if the FBI and the Department of Justice could literally, and by the way, they could come out and explain today whether they did that. They've never done that. That whole investigation got shut down because my authority, when the Travis County DA uh, sent it to us, That's where my authority came from. When they pulled it because of all this publicity, the investigation stopped, and we were never able to finish. But it looked like they were violating his constitutional rights and violating state law by altering documents after a search. If they can do that and get away with it, that's a fundamental constitutional right that we should be concerned about. And yet the FBI has never explained what they actually – they could produce right now – whether they altered those documents, show us what happened, but that has never happened. Instead, they got in the middle of my office without me knowing before I even knew we had this referral, and they focused on my staff, and I think they created a lot of fear and intimidation inside my office.
0: Yeah, so what what about your staff, the whistleblowers? There had to be something there for them to blow a whistle.
1: Uh, Well... I I guess there had to be something. What they did was made assumptions about things they didn't know about. So they went and reported to the FBI. You you can watch the trial. They presented not a single shred of evidence. They're supposed to go to the FBI when they have a good faith belief that there's been something done wrong. But they didn't have a single crime other than just these very vague things, but no evidence of a crime. And they admitted it in trial. That's what got them. The whistleblowers uh, got put on cross-examination for the first time. And they admitted in trial they had no evidence. And here's what happened. They didn't know about – they didn't have all the information. They made assumptions, and they never told me. They never came to me and said, hey, this looks a little weird. What's going on? I I could have told them, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's go find out. I know where to go to find out. They never asked the right questions. And instead of – once they realized that they'd made a mistake and not having enough information, instead of coming to me and saying, hey, we made a mistake. We need to fix this, they doubled down. They sent text messages to each other and they said, We need to find more allegations. We need to beat these up. And they they, they decided to go ahead and double down instead of coming clean and saying, Uh oh, we made a mistake.
0: Did you know those whistleblowers? Did you hire those whistleblowers yourself?
1: So I didn't, I only knew one of them uh, before they came there. Uh, the, the guy that was my first assistant, I didn't know him at all when he got there. I thought he was doing a good job. He moved other people up uh i i i trusted him way too much he moved other people up that i think had to agree to sort of go along with the program and do what he said instead of what i said and uh i think if you look at the 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 seven uh i knew i guess i knew him the best because he'd worked there for several years but i didn't know him before he got there and the rest of them were pretty new uh people they they hadn't been there most of them hadn't been there in their positions for a year, and wow. I didn't know them very well. Do
0: you feel betrayed by them?
1: Oh, no doubt. I mean, it, I honestly believe that this was a, a, a. They there was a guy that came to the office that I believe was put there for a purpose, uh, and he was put there to do exactly what happened. He came from another governor's office in Kentucky. He was tied into a former uh, chief of staff for our governor. And those two worked to get him in my office, and then he sat there and planned planned this for you know the eight or nine months he was there. They thought they had an opportunity. They jumped and they jumped without full information about what was going on, and you know they blew up the world in my office and they blew up you know Texas politics maybe for a long time. Who's they? Uh, it's 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 a it's a group called texans for lawsuit reform dick weekly dick travolce who tried to take me out in an election spent millions and millions of dollars and lost and they were tied in with the um you know the bushes the george p bush knew about this before i did and there's pretty strong evidence that he would he he didn't have his law license and he applied for it on the day that i got my text which wasn't public for several days so he actually knew before i did that This was all going down. He was getting ready to get appointed. He thought he would get appointed. What? So uh, the Bushes were, yeah, on October 1st, I got this text message saying that I'd been turned in. This was the first thing I knew about this. Uh, It was in the afternoon, about 2 o'clock, I get this text message saying these these, uh, staffers were turning me in. I was in shock. And I found out when we did, uh, you know, our research, we started trying to figure out what happened. Uh, I had somebody look up when George P. Bush applied for his license because he hadn't had it for ten years uh and it turns out he he applied for it on October first that same day, and his lawyer Johnny Sutton was all through my trial he's representing every one of the uh the uh the ex staffers for free he's he's represented for three years all seven of them or six of them six or seven of them and he doesn't have a fee agreement with any of them, but he's been doing free legal work for three years, which is shocking. No bills, nothing, no, no idea what they're going to be charged. They admitted that in trial. And this is, this is, this is a Bush lawyer, and he's, he's connected to George P. So I think George P. Uh, was part of this whole scheme from the beginning because it's just too much of a coincidence that he was looking to get his law license after 10 years on the same day. And remember, this was not public, but he knew.
0: Yeah! Wow! Talk about an insurrection. That's fantastic. I want to. We're talking with Ken Paxton, the now back on the job Attorney General of Texas. Um, I want to bring in a name that I haven't thought of in ten years, and that is Carl Rove. So Carl Rove wrote this editorial in the Wall Street Journal, which is weird. The end is near for Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. He gloated when he got reelected, but he seems sure to lose his impeachment trial. And, of course, you didn't. You won. What is Karl Rove's
1: game here? So Karl Rove, is, uh, uh, he is very much involved in the Bush world, as you know. And uh, I, the first guy that I beat for attorney general is a, a very close ally of the Bushes, And they were so disappointed that this guy lost. Cause I think the plan was for him to be attorney general and then to be governor and then to be president. And the same thing for mm-hmm. George Pete. So, who was that Carl other guy? Rove has been doing. Uh, his name was Dan Branch. He was okay. in the Texas House with me. Um, so I think that the the Bush machine and Carl Rove has run that machine for you know how, who knows how long decades. He's been targeting me ever since I got in the office, and there's no doubt that that Wall Street Journal article one was inspired by a group for, from Texans. It's called Texans for Lawsuit Reform. It's run by Dick Wigley and Dick Trabulsi. And we've got emails of them sending him information right before the editorial was written and conspiring. He, he also had, we have uh, text messages connecting him. Some of the ex staffers, he was, he uh, helped block me from being on Fox uh, at Fox uh, during my campaign. He also uh, blocked wall street journal uh, articles and editorials that we tried to submit uh, clearly involved in this um, and clearly um Knew what was going on and conspired with these people, people I talked about earlier, uh, the, the Bushes and Texans for lawsuit reform, clearly conspired with them. We have emails and even Rick Perry. Rick Perry wrote an editorial at the end uh, that was not favorable to me in The Wall Street Journal. And and we know that Texans for lawsuit reform, again, Dick Weekly and Dick Trabulsi, those guys uh, sent Rick Perry the editorial. They wrote it for him. Wow. So it was a it wasn't a huge group. I mean, obviously inspired by the Biden administration, but it, it basically centered out of the, the the Bush world as they've lost um, more and more influence in Texas over the last well, decade. Well, that's
0: what I want to ask you about. So Trump clearly salted the Bush earth, right? like like ended that whole name. <laughs> but you're like, oh, we still got this George P. guy. I, mean, I never no one. I don't want I'm no one to forget that in 2016, Jeb was the walkaway favorite to take the whole thing. Right. So we're going to continue the, Bush had dynasty. All the money,
1: too. Right. I mean, he had everything. Yep.
0: Yeah. And, and, and just Trump just destroyed it. But then he still got this George P. Cat in Texas hanging around doing his thing. So do you think Karl Rove was motivated to take you out because of uh, vindictiveness? Like, oh, this guy won. I must destroy him. Or is he someone who genuinely disagrees with the policies of Ken Paxton and think it would be best for the state of Texas if, uh, if he were no longer in power?
1: Look, they've never said – ne- they've, they've never criticized me for not doing a good job. Even when George P. ran against me, he never criticized me for doing a good – I mean, he couldn't name anything I'd done that he didn't like. Because, And it may be true that he doesn't like it, but he didn't want to say it. So Karl Rove has been the same way. He didn't criticize me for – they just don't like me because I'm in the way of their power structure that Bush dynasty has been dismantled. And, I, you know, look, I beat the, I beat the guy 68-32 <laughs> with them attacking me on all this stuff. Wow. That ended up going to trial. That's why it shouldn't have gone to it shouldn't have even gone to trial because there's a there's a law. And I think it's it's um, probably a law in a lot of states. It's very simple one sentence that basically says that any allegations or claims that were made before the election uh can't you cannot be used to remove move an ele- elected officer from office. And that's designed to protect the voting process to let the voters decide. If it's been if it's been outed and and believe me they spent what thirty million dollars? If you look at all the elections, thirty forty million dollars to talk about this stuff, and I overwhelmingly wow. won my primary, my runoff, and my general election. Jeez,
0: do you think Carl, the Carl Roves, and everyone involved in this whole thing, Texans Law, law lawsuit reform, what, all those guys, do you think they're? Do you think they're happy now? Like, do, do they do they have a little bit of like, oh, we dragged him through the mud, we took him out for a while, or are they like, darn it, we lost? I can't believe he won. Where do you think they are?
1: No, they—they're they, not satisfied. I mean, they, they enjoy that part of it. That's—I I think they've enjoyed anything negative for me is good. They think is good, but they're not. I don't think they're going away or trying to stop me. They—they've been—we've been—we've been in this fight ever since I've been in office. Uh, Texas for lawsuit reform. I mean, every campaign I've ever run from house to senate to uh, AG, they've been on the other side. If there's been a primary, so I've never gotten their support. Even when I was in the House I, you know, for 10 years and then two years in the Senate, I voted 100% with them. That was not enough for them. They still wanted me out wow, because they – I think they wanted to control the office, get somebody that was relatively weak, uh, and then send their people in to dismantle all kinds of different things that the attorney general's office does as it relates to fraudulent corporations. Um, yes, and They wanted and- to dismantle that ability so that corporations would no longer be sued for fraud.
0: And what they uh, were
1: all they get was restitution, which would be create no uh, disincentive for doing it.
0: And the, the work you're doing against the pharmaceutical industry is fantastic. And I, I love it. Ken, if you can come back another day and we can talk about all the work you're doing, which is like the real reason why they want you out. Um, but just to put a bow on what was, and I'm sure you're excited to move on with life and get back to the job. What this is a two part question? What personal life lesson have you learned from this experience? And then, what's what's the story for us? For us as a country, all across the country, we're XM, we're everywhere. What what do we need to take away from this politically as we move forward?
1: Well, I think for me was <laughs> despite, uh, I guess realizing that the law was a hundred percent on my side going into this, that things can turn political really fast and the rule of law can be set aside in, in a split second, even a country that says that they care about the constitution and the rule of law. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's made me realize, you know, it's, it's a lot more um, sort of open to change than we, I think we all realize.
0: You are the and, um, law, you're the attorney general.
1: Yeah. But when they can take me through a process, like that, I, I challenge you to find an impeachment ever done with no like, it's like no due process, like no transparency. All done in like three days, you know, on Memorial Weekend, where where the public doesn't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. You had Why a would gag they do order. that. They had to they had to ignore so many laws to, to do that, uh, and they got away with it. I mean, no, there's so far, there's no consequences to the House or the Speaker mm. for having basically ignored every law that he was subject to. How did you get a gag punishment.
0: order? Pretty, how, how'd you get a gag order again? What are those usually for? What's a gag order normally for? And why did you get one?
1: It's, I think it's normally it, it's designed so it doesn't prejudice the, the jury. But the problem that I have is I'm in political office and I was just finding out because they the, 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 the House lawyers withheld information from me. They were supposed to turn over it like immediately. I was getting stuff like in trial. Like we were having to dig through thousands of documents with no order and they did that so we would be disadvantaged on knowing what they were going to present. But in a case like this, you're supposed to get all that information. Well, I I didn't even know what to say when it first hit because I didn't know what the charges were. They weren't very specific. But you know normally when they charge you, they have to identify elements of a crime. Well, they didn't do any of that. So we we're you know we we're very much a disadvantage. And then the gag order came on. And then once I was starting to get some information, I could know I couldn't speak. So it was frustrating to me because the house would leak to the media everything that they wanted to leak and they, of course, weren't violating the gag order because the media could talk, and I couldn't respond. I could never say, that's totally. not true. This is false, this is false, this is false. And they just pounded me for four months, which made it more difficult for me when I got to trial because it was already been tried in the media without yes. me being able to respond. So it was very hard to sit there and not have a way to say anything.
0: What did you do for
1: four months? Oh, man, it, was, it was all about... I had to build – look, I got kicked out in three days. I had no resources. I just run my campaign, spent $16 million on the whole thing. I had no money left because I wasn't allowed to raise money during session, so they knew that. I had no wow. money. They didn't pay for my legal defense. They should have because it was related to my office. I would have represented other state officers had I been there. Wow. But I had no representation. I had to build a legal team in two how much, weeks. How much did it cost to you? Out how to... $4.5 million.
0: No, it didn't. What are you talking about?
1: Four and a half. Four and a half. I guarantee you the other side spent way more. Yeah. Four and a half million dollars. It was expensive. Um, Cause finding good talent and, and doing it that quickly. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's very expensive. Uh, four and a half million dollars.
0: Did you use, can you use campaign money on that? Or is that Ken Paxton money?
1: Yeah, but I didn't have any, I had to go raise it. So I'm out Whoa. trying to raise money in the summer, which is not easy in Texas because most people take vacation. They're not interested in yeah, giving money sure. in the summer. They're, all of the people that have money are gone. So, it's, whoa, it's, I'm still I still am over a million and a half short on what I owe my lawyers.
0: How can people contribute to that?
1: Uh, go to kintax.com. They can contribute online.
0: What's the life lesson you want us all to take from this?
1: I think we're we're in a very precarious position. Uh, if Texas is this close to potentially, because if, if they take me out and voter fraud becomes what I think it will become and what it is becoming, uh, we're not going to win elections. And if we lose Texas, the country cannot, I don't think it will be sustained as a constitutional republic. It'll be controlled by one party. And if that—if we've got to be vigilant. Uh, we've got to be educated. We can't let the media trick us into thinking certain things that are not true. And uh, so I just think people are, are have to be extremely aware. They cannot trust the media. I'm talking about Breitbart. I'm talking about the mainstream media to tell us the story because they're going to lie to us.
0: So you now are just going to sit back and let the Biden administration move forward whatever they want because you're, you've been wounded, right? Huh.
1: Absolutely not. I'm, a, I'm more motivated than I've ever been to go after them. I, we're, we're working on, you know, obviously I've, it's only my first week back. So I've got a lot of catching up to do, but we're definitely uh, researching and looking at losses against the Biden administration. We're, we're, I, I, I've rekindled the whole thing, uh, the investigation of Big Pharma, what they did with the vaccine issues. We've got our big tech lawsuits that are moving forward against Google and Facebook and others. So I'm highly motivated more than I've ever been because I have a, such a great appreciation for the people of Texas. I would not be here, but for the people of Texas who stood by me and, and, communicated with their representatives and senators despite the fact those representatives and senators may not some of them might not have even wanted to hear from their constituents and yet the people of texas stuck with me and i owe them you know my time my best efforts my my everything
0: yes yes i hope you feel the support from breitbart and the grassroots across the country to support you with uh not only your impeachment that was but moving forward here we need you and we need people like you in the fight and we are very grateful ken thank you sir
1: Glad to be on. Thanks. I'm glad to be back. And thanks for having
0: me on. Let's do it again. Thank you, sir. It's the attorney general, the attorney general back on the job, man. I will, I will not, I will not forget the feeling I had when I first read the the charges. I was like, Oh man, you know, what a bummer. We just talked to Ken the other day and now they're impeaching him. He must've done something really bad. (laughs) It wasn't even close, man. We, I, I, it's like Slater. I got to be even more cynical than I already am. I think I could be more cynical. So many stories here. All right, let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll talk about Alex Marlowe coming up next. We'll break down all this and, and make sure we know the moral of this story. Daily, we talked with Alex Marlowe right after that interview, and Biden and the Ken Paxton story are very similar. We compare the two here. The great Alex Marlowe is here, he's the editor in chief of Brightpart.com. and he's got his new book, Breaking Biden, coming out in uh, is it 10 days now, Alex?
2: Yeah, there's 10 days. I think, I think it's about right. Yeah. it's um, yeah, th- this is this is it. This is the time, guys. If you support me and you don't support Joe Biden, I think uh, now's, now, <laughs> now, now's the time to go get it. I mean, Mike, as I've said before, if every American reads this book, uh, he will not be present again. He will have to retire. Uh, they'll, 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 there's no other way. The issue is Americans don't tend to read in those sort of numbers, like to the tune of 100%. Um, so I would like for that to happen. I'm not holding my breath on that, but it, theoretically, you know, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's evangelize. Get the word out, uh, as you as you've been known to say. And uh, this is the time. This is it. It's here. Yeah. It's happening. If, we,
0: if if everyone in America won't read it, which they won't, we need to be the ones to read it. It must yes. be up to us. Yeah. The, the people who would read it, and that's you listening right now on Sirius and Patriot, who have listened to Alex Marlowe for how many years? Were you on this station?
2: I think about eight years. So eight I think years. It's about yeah.
0: You've listened to various, various roles. This is his 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 magnum opus so far in life. This is it. Yeah, it must be 100. And you have to read it because you have to spread the word about it because no one else will. And you will be in front of everyone. You will know way more than anyone, anyone, literally anyone in D.C., anyone on the media, anyone in TV. Yeah. You'll know more than anyone about Joe Biden, and you'll know the truth. And this is it. So go get it right now. There's a pre-order price available, and uh, yeah, get it, and you'll get it on the day it comes out, which is 10 days
2: yeah thank you mike and i appreciate all you've been doing to to promote it on the show and your commitment to can to get the word out uh some more uh it is just to let you know I, I i write books for this audience in mind uh it's the i think if you're a lefty if you are uh, at media matters if you are a reporter for mainstream outlet and you read this just to see what the brightboard editor's up to and what his take is on biden I think you'll find it more readable than just some sort of a screed you might find from I don't know your favorite Twitter personality, Um, but I, I would like to think it's much more thoughtful than that. But my intention is to arm the people in this audience with the arguments. And I do it. There's a lot of spoonfuls of sugar in there, too. So it's not (laughs) uh, it's not not fun. You will laugh. You will have a good time. Um, But ultimately, the point is there are arguments in here. There are points I'm trying to make that I don't think anyone's made about Joe Biden. uh, And I will make them over and over on the show. Mike is uh, as often as um, you are able to have me on uh, once the book is out in a week and a half. Uh, But it is you're going to get the arguments that will be enough. They will be sufficient to overturn this system that we're in and then we can all move on with our lives, but the word's gotta get out.
0: Yeah, let's, and again, Breaking Biden is the name of the book, Breaking Biden, exposing the hidden forces and secret money machine behind Joe Biden, his family, and his administration, Breaking Biden. Uh, let's reiterate this point, Alex, because I uh, made it a couple times on your behalf yesterday, and that editorial you wrote on Breitbart.com got a ton of reaction and play, and, uh, and broke out of any, any bubble, it was great. Yeah, that's fun. Um, and and yeah. thank
2: you for uh, highlighting. it again, Mike, you well, had to, it had to very be very kind to me.
0: It's the key. So uh, we have to stop and I need to stop thinking of Joe Biden as the bumbling gaff prone uncle. Yeah, he, he's not that. What is he?
2: Yeah. So he is a uniquely corrupt figure in terms of American presidencies. And he is someone that has a record that's incredibly extensive and look i'm not framing joe biden as a singular genius i'm not i don't go that far and i have tons of fun with the gaffes i mean even two three pages in i list a bunch of them if you're not laughing when i go through some of them then then I've I missed the mark. Um, I have an extensive breakdown of the corn pop speech, which I think is one of the, one of, one of the most unbelievable speeches in the history of the Republic. Uh, the fact that, that, that ever occurred is mind blowing. And I'm not saying that it was all we all got hoaxed on. it. It's not that level. But I am saying that there's ample evidence that over 50 years in Washington, yes, 50 Freaking years in Washington. He's gotten a lot done, more done than just about any other American politician who's living probably more, period. And he's not done it simply because he's super malleable and he's a puppet and he lucked into it. No. He's had desire since he was a child to be president. He's had an agenda, and the agenda is not quite as ideological as maybe uh, a Barack Obama or maybe as you and I might be, Mike, but he's had principles that he's followed, he's had a playbook. And the playbook shows that the things that you and I see as huge mistakes are actually intentional, and they are part of a pattern. And I identify the pattern, and I break it down. And the pattern does not involve him just being incredibly stupid and lazy. Uh, he's been miscast as Sleepy Joe. He's not. Uh, he's actually incredibly vigorous when it comes to trying to push forward what he's trying to push forward. And just because he stumbles and bumbles along the way, and he was intelligently by uh, his team, uh, kept out of the limelight as much as possible in 2020 all of that is a has set conservatives up to misinterpret what he's really up to and what he's up to is essentially running a crime family uh, that's making tons of money off of horrific
0: policies that he is employed as president joe biden's been in dc for one-fifth of the entire existence of the united states of america which is pretty bonkers great great um, way of putting it i i think when I think of Joe, and I wonder if most people fall in this trap too, I think of the last three years. So if I think Joe Biden, I think the last three years. And then I was like, oh, no, he's been in D.C. long in that. Um, yeah. I mean, he was vice president. So, right. okay, 2008. It's like, oh, no, no. He's, he's been there for decades. So yeah. I look forward to hearing the full Joe Biden story. Like when, oh, when, yeah. And, and, and I'm really excited to share with people going back to there's
2: one story that I'm just dying to share from his first Senate run, which is when people hear it, they're going to a light bulb's going to go off in their heads. Uh, but it, it, one thing that is noteworthy to track. And I, again, I have to be a little um, ca- cautious to give away too many details before it's on shelves. I want people to, be able to go check it out for themselves. Check what I'm reporting against the 1600 end notes that are in the book to back up everything I'm saying. Uh, but it's a, he's gotten worse in every issue. He did not come to the Senate with a dazzling record. Uh, he did not come with a, a super impressive uh, abilities to speak or to persuade or any great set of values. And yet somehow he's gone in the wrong direction in virtually every issue during that time. When it comes to principles, when it comes to corruption, when it comes to policy, uh, everything has gotten worse, especially if you are a right of center person and seeing that evolution is absolutely scary and it is not time to wash our hands of it. It is time for us to get fired up about it.
0: We played a clip the other day of Joe Biden from 1973 being interviewed. And it's like, whoa, he's been there forever. Um, you mentioned something and I think it was one of your pieces. I forget which one. And you talked to and I'm so fascinated by this. His ambition and not just the ambition mm-hmm. to be president, which is one thing that one should be cautious of, uh, but his ambition for dynasty. Yes. Where'd that come from? Where, where'd it come from for him? And where did you come across that? Yeah,
2: it, it, again, I'll, I'll speak broadly because this stuff is going to come out um, when people can read it, but it is, he didn't just think of himself as being president, and he wanted to be president since he was a boy. I, I trace back every document that I could reasonably get my hands on considering I had a pretty small team. It wasn't like I had a I had, I had hundred people working on the book with me. Uh, and it's I couldn't even get far enough back, there are not even documents because when he originally started conceptualizing being president because he was a boy. He was a wow. boy when he decided he wanted to be president. And it had been reiterated multiple times by the time he was in law school uh, that that was the goal was for him to be president. And he looked at other classic American dynasties, particularly the Kennedys, and he crafted his life building up to that point. Uh, One example that uh, again, I'll give some details on it. He he, he famously lived in a 10,000 square foot house that used to be a DuPont mansion in Delaware. Now, is that a lunch bucket Joe move? Mike, is your house 10,000 square feet? (laughs) Is, is, it, no. is that is that just a tor- typical blue-collar person? Oh, yeah, I just make sure that I figure out a house that has its own ballroom that's 10,000 square feet. <laughs> no, he was trying to establish a Hyannis port or a Kennebunk port or some sort of... A retreat where he could have a huge political dynasty come meet, like the Kennedys or the Bushes, et cetera. That, that, that's what he was looking at, and it, so to act like he just lucked into this thing and he's just been on the Amtrak the whole time when he's not in his basement is just wrong, just dead wrong. That's so That's yeah.
0: So, so, so it wasn't just I'm going to buy a big house. There was a motive behind that.
2: There's a motive. Yes, exactly. He had he had inspirations and he looked at other presidents and he was aware of how they behave. And he emulated some of that behavior.
0: Does he still have that house?
2: Um, no, I don't so no, think. No, no, yeah, no. But in but in but, but 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 he did sell it. And the story of his sale um, is also interesting because, Mike, this will stun you. Ah, uh, he may have gotten above market rate from the sale, <laughs> and when you figure out who bought the house, it, all of a sudden things will start adding up because <laughs> because that that uh, the, the it was purchased by people who may or may not have had relevant legislation in front of Joe uh, in the Senate at the time. So uh, it, it's again, it, it's a this is just one example of 150 that are in the book.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. Okay, the book "Breaking Biden," "Breaking Biden." Just Google that, Alex Marlowe, You'll find it uh alex i don't know if you had a chance to hear our our ken paxton interview yeah i caught a bunch of it attorney general texas what what's there's a ton to break down here but what what's big picture what's the story for you what's the story why is this important what is this story
2: well for me the biggest story of this is the grassroots effort that the establishment was leading the takedown uh and there is a uh, Paxton is someone who is seen as an anti-establishment star someone who takes on the establishment and they wanted to they saw an opportunity to try to take him out and uh, I, I don't know everything I don't know how true any of the allegations were I don't know uh, whether or not more will come out I think this will be an ongoing thing but in essence in this moment in time the reason why this got as far along as it did is because the establishment of the Republican Party and of course all Democrats uh, Wanted him gone And we heard From the conservative grassroots And we saw us rally Behind him And say we are not going to Allow for this to happen we are not going to Allow for the Karl Rove faction mm. To take out someone who's a Fighter for the Really America first values In Texas and everyone rallied And that's exactly What how it turned out and i'll tell you i thought it was probably i you know it's hard to picture it 100 percent mike but i really did probably bet he was going to get impeached uh, when this thing started i don't think they would have started the process unless they thought they're going to be able to mm. do so and the fact that he won is purely a testament to conservative grassroots standing up
0: he is clearly grateful to breitbart.com as well mentioned breitbart a few times like breitbart yeah, was significant and, in that
2: and, and we've been allies for a long time, partially because people don't know this about um, I, some people do with They're longtime listeners. But uh, Attorney General Paxton is not just a generic MAGA guy. He's a guy who's a forward thinker on issues like big tech. And that's the sort of thing that's a huge threat to the Republican establishment, which has not gotten the picture in big tech. And they never have. Uh, I was just reading about one Republican billionaire financier who's, you know, he's got like two thirds of his net worth tied up into TikTok. Uh, so it's, it's, it's like these guys are not. The, the conservative establishment, the moneyed class, the Karl Rove ecosystem, uh, they're not focused on big tech as a problem. And uh, Mike, you know my opinion. I think big tech might be the biggest problem we got.
0: Yeah. Okay. We have about 30 seconds. Uh, Karl Rove. How about that? Right. The vindictiveness of people still. Uh, it's pretty wild uh, testament to human nature here. Who, what is Karl Rove up to? Well,
2: first of all, Karl Rove is for sale. So whoever um, whoever wants once Karl Rove uh, in power, then, um, I, I mean, whoever whoever is paying Karl Rove is enabling him, and Karl Rove will be, you know, malleable to his values. He's also an arch-establishmentarian, uh, and he's probably looking down the field of this John Corden race, where uh, John Corden could get taken out by Ken Paxton in a primary, and that's the establishment Rove ecosystem right there. So there is, I'm actually not that surprised, I just am amazed at how tolerant the Republicans are that the Carl Rovification of the party has not ended. I mean, we need to yes. move on from that from, from that part <laughs> yes. of our lives.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Breaking Biden, Alex Marlowe, go pre-order right now. You'll get it in your mailbox in 10 days. Alex, great to talk to you. Thank you, brother. Mike, love it. Have a great weekend. We'll finish it up next. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. Listening to Breitbart News Daily, we talked a lot about immigration on the show today, and we talked about culture. I don't want, I, 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 if I may suggest, conservatives stop saying, "Oh, they're taxing our social services." I don't care if I don't care if we had ten times as many social. I don't care if we had plenty of social services. Oh, they're going to vote Democrat. I don't care if they would vote Republican. It's culture, and we had a great caller. Guy who does not uh, agree with anything that we talk about here, but enjoys the show. And said Slater, what do you mean culture? Oh. Pat Pat from New Jersey got me started. On Monday we'll talk about culture, what that means, because the key is assimilation. But if you have two different cultures that cannot assimilate, well, what are we doing? Talk about that on Monday. Mike Slater, Bright Bart News Daily. Spread the word.